0: First they think you're crazy, then they fight you, and then all of a sudden, you change the world.
1: Berlusconi flatly denies that any mafia money helped him to get a start in real estate.
2: I have I've always had a thing for black people. I like black people. I'm you, these stories are funnier than, than the jokes you can tell.
0: I said, what the fuck is a brain scientist? I was like, that's not a real job. Tell me the truth, but anyway. Hello, welcome back to Grubstakers, the podcast about billionaires. My name is Sean P. McCarthy, and I'm joined by.
1: Yogi Polywolf,
0: Andy Palmer. And uh, so today we're talking about Sean Carter, Jay Z, uh, recently confirmed by Forbes that he's worth over $1 billion. And I oh. know. I know when we say that we're doing a Jay-Z episode, you're probably thinking, oh, great, another episode about an Illuminati pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> they do a Jeffrey Epstein episode, and they just can't stop talking about the pedophiles who run the world. We got bit I, by the bug.
1: Actually, I'm just going to say on that note, uh, s- stay tuned for the bonus uh, <laughs> on Sir Paul McCartney because we got a lot of Epstein connections there. What?
0: Really? And it is something where it's like, well, we'll kind of talk about this a little bit later. But there's a lot of rumors with regards to Jay Z and Foxy Brown. Like he uh they started, they recorded a song together when she was like 16 or 17. He was 27, and there's a lot. It, She said they had a relationship around that time, so it's it's a little weird, and then there's stuff where he didn't appear in that Surviving R. Kelly documentary. It's
2: not a little weird, Sean. It's rape. It's
0: (laughs) it's, uh, child sex is what it is.
1: Well, did he have to be in the Surviving R. Kelly
0: documentary? No, they invited him to appear, because he also recorded a a dual album with R. Kelly around 2004, uh, which you will notice is two years after he was pissing on a (laughs) 14-year-old in a videotape um, but so, yeah, the Surviving R. Kelly people invited Jay-Z to participate, and he said no. Uh, so, well,
1: I'm, I'm sure Jay-Z just didn't know about it. <laughs> it's because so many emails these days, you know, you can't, what are you going
2: to do? Yeah, you can't keep up with everything. Damn dash, tell them about the emails.
0: And uh, I guess we'll kind of go back to that, but I did just kind of want to start with, you know, when people think of Jay-Z, uh, we, we mentioned the Forbes, the $1 billion net worth. So he's sold over 100 million records, mm-hmm. he's got 22 Grammys, and... Um, I just wanted to ask you, just both of you, but also you, the listener, when you think about how Jay-Z made his money, you would probably say, you know, music... You might even say, you know, selling crack. Right, of course. But the actual answer is uh, horrific labor abuses <laughs> in third world sweatshops. Wait a second. That's every other billionaire's answer. Yeah, and, and that's just kind of the intro- I thought I thought
1: it was the resale value on Emmy, Grammys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I mean, essentially on the labor exploitation thing, it, the example is right there in the numbers where Rockefeller Records sold a 50% stake to Universal for about $20 million. Mm-hmm. So a company valued about $40 million. 2007, RockAware the The clothing line right. sells for 204 million to Iconics in, in 2007. So that's almost a, a, a 10 times valuation. No,
1: now let's let's step back a second because I have five times. I have no idea the origin of this Rockefeller Records or RockAware <laughs> or any of this. You see, Andy, there's a, a hip hop musician who goes by Jay
2: Z, like now, the subway line. Oh, exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's where he got his name. No, he did get his name from a mentor who he would eventually screw over completely named Jazz O. Mm -hmm. And this is going to a little bit of the middle of the Jay-Z story, if we're honest with ourselves. But let's go to the beginning then, Andy.
0: And uh, I'm not just saying he's a sweatshop abuser because he has a clothing line. (laughs) Like, there were actual documented incidents, which we'll we'll get back to. But I guess we should kind of start from the beginning here.
1: Well, like, was he... Just like walking into sweatshops and unplugging the A.C. to save some electricity <laughs> money.
0: You know when he makes that triangle with his hands? <laughs> that's actually, it stands for the triangle shirtwaist fire. <laughs> and he's he's instructing his Honduran uh, labor mm-hmm. management mm-hmm. to burn the workers to death. It's,
1: it's, uh, it's a vision board type of exercise.
2: <laughs> you gotta see the rock if you want to mm-hmm. be the rock. <laughs>
0: But um, I guess, so starting with uh, Jay-Z, he's born in 1969, of course, real name Sean Carter. Uh, interestingly enough, he's originally born in like a brownstone in Brooklyn, but, you know, not when they were worth $2 million. Oh, of course. Um, but early on, uh, his family has to move to the Marcy Houses, which mm-hmm. is a housing project in Bed-Stuy. And uh, Jay-Z's father leaves when he's about 11 years old.
2: Right. And before he leaves, Jay-Z spends time with his dad at like gambling tables. And apparently, according to him, learns a lot about taking risks in the industry from that time when he was watching his dad gamble at a younger
0: age. He he taught him, uh, son, if you just say Foxy Brown was 17, (laughs) enough people will (laughs) believe that. And that is the legal age of consent in New York. So, you know, it's like three months to her 16th, to her 17th birthday. It's You can roll those dice.
2: You can have her roll your dice. Um, but uh, Jay-Z's dad would leave him.
0: Not appropriate for a pedophilia. <laughs> Just By the way, I was looking up Foxy Brown's Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and uh, she has been in a lot of altercations with police and other people. Yeah, and it's sure. like... You know, maybe this has something to do with getting uh, raped as a child. Yeah,
2: Oh, of course. Uh, we will discuss it a little later, but literally every member of Destiny Childs, the ones that were kicked out and the two people that were brought in, all have had issues of depression, anxiety, and a few of them were molested and also had prison time due to like DUI activities and stuff.
0: The, the Beyonce Knowles, Jay-Z
2: <laughs> that's, clan... That's
0: what Jeffrey Epstein's temple is, is a Destiny's Child recruiting center. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, crazier things have happened. Mm -hmm. But
2: uh, his dad walks out on Jay-Z when he was 12 years old. And Mm -hmm. this is around the time that Jay-Z gets into the drug game, as well as his older brother would
0: uh, allegedly be stealing stuff from their house. (laughs) Jay-Z's dad was like, I heard that verse with Jazzo. That shit was whack. (laughs) I'm out (laughs) of here. Bye, loser. (laughs) Right, right. This is the
2: bullying that was necessary for Jay-Z to become who he becomes. Um, but his older brother is addicted to crack and is stealing stuff from their household. And Jay-Z shoots him in the shoulder to like mm. show to his family, like, hey, like you can't fuck with this type of thing. So when it comes to Jay-Z dealing crack, he obviously knows the uh, detriment it does to the community because he's got someone in his family addicted to the drug he's selling on the street.
1: Yeah, it seems like the mindset there is like, wow, my brother is spending a ton of money on crack. <laughs> there must be a ton of money in right. the crack hustle.
0: Exactly. Um, but yeah, so like Yogi was saying, uh, his, uh, mom buys him a boom box mm-hmm. for his birthday. He's like, uh, you know, making music during that. Uh, he meets Jazzo, the, who was at the time an up and coming rapper. Right. When he's 15 years old, Jay-Z's 15 years old. He meets Jazzo. And then there's like allegations that Jay-Z took his name from Jazzo. Sure. Sean Carter to Jay-Z. Right. You know? I
2: mean, let's, yeah, there's not that much to... Uh, the, the lines are blurred on that one. Let's be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. jazz o to Jay Z is not that much of a jump, and um, and how Jay Z does jazz O in the near future is pretty
0: raw. Yeah. Oh, and I, we should just mention he attends Eli Whitney High School with uh, the rapper A Z, oh, really? which is a, a a rapper with the letter Z who's released a better album than Jay Z will ever release. Who also never raped a child. <laughs> To the best of my knowledge, Do or, or Die is a great album. Uh, if you haven't heard it, it's very uh, slept on. A child, a neighborhood, a community. We're context to use the phrase slept on. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jay-Z also, so that Eli Whitney High School closes down. Jay-Z goes to George we- uh, Westinghouse Career and Technical Education High School with a uh, Notorious B.I.G. and Busta Rhymes. Um, and then he's also in uh, Trenton Central High School in Trenton, New Jersey for a minute. Mm. But he uh, does not graduate. Oh,
2: yeah. Well, so um, what? One thing I found out was that uh, during his early days of dealing crack, essentially the epidemic being all around the U.S., the further you would get out of New York because the crack would be flown into JFK, the more money you could make for the drugs itself. So he was going as far as like Virginia and back on these uh, drug runs to sell. I mean, you're just making more money the further you go out. I've heard he goes from like New Jersey to like um, the like like eastern northern side of philadelphia i believe but uh, i'm not exactly sure how far he went down but i'm pretty sure we got down to virginia
0: he's following the age of consent laws <laughs> 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 um but yeah no it is something where like uh 50 cent and a lot of other uh rappers who were former crack dealers do talk about this where like you were saying yogi the cocaine comes in through jfk mm-hmm. so the farther out usually the right. farther out you go the better return you can get Um, but so it's interesting. He meets, uh, Jay-Z meets Jazzo when he's 15 years old and, uh, Jazzo releases an album word to the jazz in 1989, which is of course Jay-Z's featured, uh, pretty prominently on this he's on the song hawaiian sophie right which is a a notable number one platinum hit (laughs) but the album's kind of a a a failure so jay-z in 1989 you know like he thinks his rap career is on the way up but then this guy's album jazzo's albums uh not really well received and so jay-z's kind of in limbo and this is where uh, he retires from the rap industry a bit to just kind of sell crack. For the first crack. time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the, yeah, to uh, sell crack for a minute, basically. And um, it is interesting where... So what we
1: did after uh, Democracy Later fell apart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of crack involved after yeah. the Democracy Later <laughs> fell apart. And honestly, it did us better. We, uh, we retired from podcasting to sell Andy's antidepressants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so... It is something where we watch this documentary. Um, Jay-Z had a childhood friend named uh, DeHaven Irby mm-hmm. who uh, lived down the hall from him in the Marcy housing project. And basically, uh, according to this documentary, uh, he taught Jay-Z how to sell crack. And DeHaven later moved to Trenton, New Jersey. So mm-hmm. uh, Jay-Z was doing a lot of his hustling out there, you know, selling in Trenton as well as these other places. Around this time, after him like being out in the streets, a few years hustling, he gets the attention of this guy named DJ Clark Kent, who was uh, an A&R for Atlantic Records uh, who wanted to sign Jay-Z, but the label said no. Uh, But this guy introduces Jay-Z to Dame Dash um, to manage him. Right.
2: Yeah, because D J Clark was like, like this guy's great. You guys are idiots to not want to sign him, and so he brought in Dame Dash to manage Jay Z, mm-hmm. and this is where Jay Z gets his bulldog spirit because Dame Dash is a man that's a mad dog. He'll bite your face off if he if he wants if you want if you have what he wants, he'll get it from you. That's Dame and Dash's entire deal. In that, like L Cool J was the hottest artist at the time, mm-hmm. and. Dame Dash would show up wherever LL Cool J was going to be with Jay Z, and they'd be like, "All right, y'all battle right now." And Jay Z would usually win those rap battles, but LL Cool J would always be like, "Yeah, but guess who's got the guess who's got the record deal? Like, you might be good in the street, but I'm rich, basically." Mm-hmm. And this was the beginning of uh, LL Cool J's demise because Jay Z said, "Fuck that noise." And DJ Clark uh, Kent, yeah, 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 DJ Clark Kent would be the producer on Reasonable Doubt, Jay Z's first album.
0: Right, and yeah, you know, we should mention for a bit. Jay Z was a uh, Big Daddy Kane's hype man on tour. Oh, really? You I know? Didn't know so yeah, like um, Jay Z was like essentially he was doing like freestyles around this time, where uh, you know in the early '90s before Reasonable Doubt comes out in '96, mm-hmm. uh, but he just can't get a deal. Where you right. know we mentioned Dame Dash is managing him, uh, DJ Clark Kent is like a real pusher of him, but for whatever reason, and you know like to be honest, he's doing great freestyles. Like, there's a freestyle I heard with him and Big L where he outshines Big L, right, well, which is, like, a very impressive thing. Um, so, you know, but for whatever reason, nobody will give him a deal. So, what... Um, I mean, he's
2: black. He's black and he's doing rap in the 90s in an era where if Def Jam doesn't want to sign you, probably no one else will. And right. so, Def Jam and... Well, Atlantic turns him down and Def Jam doesn't see the appeal in him, and so the, right. the, so he's fucked. Yeah, There just weren't enough opportunities for uh, black musicians in that era to be able to prosper, even if you were great.
0: Right, and so essentially uh, Dame Dash uh, and Jay-Z and uh, Kareem Biggs-Burke set up Rockefeller Records, and Kareem Biggs-Burke was uh, the silent partner, and he was a drug dealer. He would later be convicted on drug offenses, but he essentially, that's where the money came from for Rockefeller Records was, you know, Jay-Z was selling a bit of crack, but this guy was a much more big-time player who put the money in, they set up this record company in 1995 the reasonable doubt the album finally comes out in 1996 and then there's like discussion on like what finally breaks him you know or like breaks jay-z into the mainstream right. where it's like they're having trouble getting radio play and so finally you know like according to one story funk master flex plays the dead presidents which is a great song mm-hmm. on uh, hot 97 um and then the b side of that i think is that song with foxy brown we mentioned and that uh, song blows up Yeah, that song blows up. And uh, just like random note, the the song, I can't say the name of the song. And Hmm. I think that's intentional to prevent white people from talking about the fact (laughs) that Jay-Z's a pedophile. Yeah. Because the song is, he does the song with Foxy Brown, Ain't No N Word, you know? And it's like, I guess we could just kind of digress on this thing.
1: So this is the song that made Jay-Z uh, famous.
0: Right, because it's the B-side for the dead presidents, and then people would put it on at parties, and everyone would dance, you know, and, and so it kind of really took off, you know, and that's what propelled Reasonable da- Doubt to sell over 500,000 records.
2: And, I mean, we're not even discussing the, you know, East Coast, West Coast uh, beef with the Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac, and so after their um, murders... Uh, there was a void in New York as to who would become the next type of uh, right. head head
1: uh, head rapper. Right, right. Reasonable- Jay Z kind of benefited from the uh, Jeff Ross Greg Giraldo effect.
0: <laughs> well, Reasonable Doubt came out '96, so Biggie sure. was still alive. No, and, but uh, yeah. but in the years coming up, though, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know,
2: that entire feud would fuel a huge group of people that didn't no longer had their favorite artists. So because Biggie and Tupac were killed a few years later, uh, the fans of those artists had no one to turn to anymore and because of that Jay-Z's proximity to Biggie made it so that he could become as popular and gain that audience
0: yeah Biggie and Tupac were killed mere days after Jay-Z made the triangle (laughs) sign with his hands at a Source Awards uh, show we're not sure if those two events are related
1: (laughs) it's weird that uh, Tupac's uh, death certificate rules the cause of death is shirtwaist fire (laughs)
0: So, essentially, the Foxy Brown thing, she uh, signs to Def Jam when she's 17 years old. There's allegations her and Jay-Z met when she was 16, even 15, I've heard. Uh, They do this song together. That's Jay-Z's big hit. And, again, Jay-Z was 27 years old at the time. Foxy Brown has later admitted that they had a sexual relationship. Um, Jay-Z, for his part, denied they had an affair on Picasso Baby Uh on the Magna Carta Holy Grail episode. But it is interesting where, like, Nick Cannon interviewed Dame Dash, and and I recommend this one-minute clip on YouTube (laughs) because essentially, like, uh, Nick Cannon asks him, like, so how old was Foxy Brown when you guys signed? (laughs) And Dame Dash is just like, just ask what you want to (laughs) ask, man. (laughs) And, you know, even though uh, Foxy Brown's the inception
2: of uh, this act... Jay-Z also signed Rihanna when she was 16. And the story is that when Rihanna came and auditioned, Jay-Z wouldn't let her leave until she finished signing the paperwork. Now, you can look at that like, oh, Jay-Z really knew that she was going to be good for the rap label. Or you can look at it like Jay-Z was looking to get
0: a piece of Rihanna. Mm -hmm. Um, But so, regardless, you know, they have these two hits. Um, Reasonable Doubt sells over 500,000 records. It's certified gold. And Jay-Z's like, you know, like you just said with Tupac and Biggie dying, you know, he becomes, like, he moves up a couple spots. And uh, because they sold... 500,000 records they're able to get a distribution deal with Def Jam who like wouldn't touch them before yeah, but uh, oh, yeah We should mention originally they get a a distribution deal with priority records, Mm -hmm. but they're able to you know Tell them to go screw off and they get a new deal with Def Jam with like a two million dollar advance or something Yeah, so
2: because uh, Dame Dash and Jay-Z wanted to do all the production in-house the first record label they spoke with They were just doing distribution with them, which is a uh, Strategy artists have used time and time again to make independent albums uh, uh, popular and the residual amount that was supposed to go to Jay Z and Dame Dash was less than they expected from the original contract they signed. So Dame Dash went in and threatened him, and was like, "You gotta sign this paperwork," and and they uh, got that? You, per- you gotta
0: sign this paperwork, or Day- Jay Z is gonna show up and battle you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He signed his paperwork, and then like in this interview, he's like, yeah, and then I called my lawyer and told him everything that happened, and then a few weeks later, I signed a different deal with him. So, uh, you could argue Dame Dash didn't need to do that, but at the same time, had Dame Dash not intimidated him for that, uh, it could have been a more slippery process.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And so, it's interesting, like, around this time, in 1997, they re- he releases this album, In My Lifetime, Volume 1, which is just, like, a garbage kind of try-to-go-commercial sellout record. Right. Wait,
1: so how many how many albums had he put out at this point?
0: Reasonable Doubt was his first. Reasonable oh, oh, Doubt was his first. They also advertised it by saying, this will be my only album. Yeah,
1: Jay-Z in Interviews would be like, this is the only one I'm doing. <laughs> Man, he he's kind of got a one-note self-promotional yep. strategy. Oh, yeah. So, okay. J- so- Jay-Z
0: in Interviews would... Uh, uh, articulate a strategy by which he would be far more beloved today <laughs> if he didn't put out 10 subsequent garbage <laughs> albums. <laughs> which is not all garbage.
1: But. So, okay. So, he, he first breaks through with this uh, B-side single uh-huh. uh, on a Dead Presidents uh, mm-hmm. single. And then uh, he puts out an LP with Def Jam after that one sells a bunch.
0: A Reasonable Doubt is with Priority Records. And then, yeah, the next album is uh, In My Lifetime Volume 1 with Def Jam.
1: Okay, and that's and then he says that one's his last one.
0: No, I think he only said Reasonable Doubt was no, his last oh, one. No, before okay.
1: Reasonable Doubt, which is his, like kind of his street LP, if you want to look at it that
2: way, was that he was like, this is the only one I'm going to do. Because at that time, you know, because I think one thing, Sean, we don't really get to look at is, does Jay-Z ever stop selling drugs? Like, it's pretty assumed that like, okay, after O he's doing rap, but he has more money than every other artist, He's always showing up with Not nice Not every jewelry. other artist. Well, he has more money than other rap artists in New York at that time. Mm-hmm. Does and he's got a connection to a uh, crack ki- uh, kingpin. The with with uh, uh, the third head of the Rockefeller Records. Mm-hmm. Does he Big. ever stop selling drugs? I don't think he does.
0: I think it'd be extremely stupid of him. I mean, you you all know that story about like Biggie uh, was selling drugs even after P. Diddy signed him. And he oh, was really? like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> you can't get locked up. Stop this. I will give you money. I you mean, know? but like,
1: all right. So that's certainly. I way. imagine when he goes on the road, like, you know, it's, it's just logistically yeah, difficult but, to okay, sell but drugs. But I'm not
2: saying Jay-Z's got, you know, a fucking bag in his pocket at all times. I'm talking about like he just has dealers in New York doing the work and he's funding it via the rep business he's building. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard, you know. Once reasonable doubt gets a certain amount, to spend ten, twenty grand on drugs and to supply it through other
1: dealers. But especially in the '90s, like you're going to be a target by the FBI if you get if you're still if you're a Dog, major this is public New York figure in the '90s. I know, like you're, if you're a major public figure and you're selling drugs, like overtly, it's going to be.
0: Uh, I think you just described Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: i mean we we can never know for
2: sure, obviously, but it is kind of presumed that he stopped selling drugs, but it's like
0: he talks about
1: owning every car at this time pre it, it pretty was weird that hes that he signed Oliver North in ninety six <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I don't like, I think he just exaggerated his wealth. And then eventually he did get to the point in, with the clothing line, Rock Aware. Right, right. They started the clothing line, Rock Aware, in 1999. And this is where he, like, actually becomes, like, extremely wealthy.
2: Yeah. And one of the reasons they started Rock Aware was because they went to a jeans uh, company in New York and went, hey, look, we're, like, you know, you can, um, not sponsor, what's the term? Uh, uh, endorse. Yeah. You can. We can do an endorsement deal with us and they went no. And they just went, you know what? If people aren't gonna do an endorsement deal with us, we might as well just start our own clothing label. And that's how Rock Aware was started.
0: Right.
1: Like, it's just one sweatshop worker. How much could it cost? Ten dollars? <laughs> oh, <laughs> eight cents an hour.
0: Um, yeah, and so just before we do Rock Aware, we should just note Essentially, Dame Dash was running the business day to day. Like, one source said that, uh, I think this is in the early 2000s, there were four straight years where Jay-Z didn't come into right. the office. Right. And it's just kind of funny where it's like he presents himself as the businessman, but of course, like, Dame Dash is the one who built the company right. and did actual all the nitty gritty.
2: Yeah, eventually when Jay-Z becomes president of Def Jam Records, like, that job really should go to Dame Dash. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like a president in general relationship, Dame Dash got too strong. Yeah, and Jay-Z had to cut that hit off.
0: And then the other part of it is like uh, Cam'ron, uh, the rapper, claims Dame Dash was the main person who put out Kanye's college dropout mm-hmm. album. Yeah. Uh, you know, of course, Kanye West came up through Rockefeller Records. Um, and then Dame Dash says actually the silent partner Biggs was the first one who noticed because Kanye was producing for them. And Biggs was the one who like, yeah, Kanye can rap. We should right. put out his album, you know. So it's just something where and, you know, various people have said like Jay-Z... Would like, I think Cameron's story is Kanye was rapping over the phone for Jay Z and he just totally ignored it. <laughs> you know, so it's like, again, like these major successes were very much not the design of Jay Z, which is not really the image he portrays himself. And he will later fuck Damon Dash over. Right. So
1: he'll just like take credit for someone else's successful idea. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of Steve Jobs esque where
2: it's like, you know, I'm going to. I'm going to be the face of an idea that will change the world, but the work will be done by people that aren't me so that the blood on my hands aren't on my hands.
0: Right. Uh, except for in this Honduras factory where they make Rockaware products. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, like, I did just want to pause here and, and do this real quick, because uh, the National Labor Committee puts out an expose in 2003. Again, Rockware found in 1999. Uh, in 2003, they uh, highlight uh, one factory in uh, Calamo. Did See. they
1: discover that the safety standards were freestyle?
0: <laughs> 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 uh <laughs> Yeah, the uh there were there were no written safety procedures <laughs> yeah. because that would be whack. Right. And, right, uh, right.
1: <laughs> Look, that's just how I learned to do it on the street. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh Chardonnay and
0: caviar, yes. Um <laughs> So many, so many people are coming in with these great uh, safety procedures, but that, that shit's all written. <laughs> you know, Only Jay-Z can come up with safety procedures off the top of his head. That's right, that's right. And I mean, in like
2: one go. <laughs> if, if it's not off the dome, Jay-Z don't want to hear it. Yeah,
0: so uh, essentially it's um, this factory, uh, and I'm going to fuck up the name as usual, uh, Chalomo, uh, C-H-A-L-O-M. MA in Honduras. Okay. Uh, This factory there, the National Labor Committee puts out a report in 2003 where they speak to workers there and uh, just. so again, Rock found found at 99, 2003, this report comes out. Uh, workers at this factory are made were made to take mandatory pregnancy tests. If they tested positive, they were immediately fired because you can't have pregnant people working there. They are allowed to use the toilet once in the morning, once in the afternoon after they raise their hands to get permission. They are given two minutes on the toilet. If they are not done in two minutes, they are screamed at and dragged back to their workplace. Uh, they are searched before they enter the toilet. Uh, they are searched... Uh, entering and leaving the facility if they have any candy it's taken away from them Uh, they make 15 cents for every 40 dollar t-shirt they produce and uh, anyone who tries to unionize is fired and blacklisted from uh, all labor or any other job in honduras and so basically they also interviewed this woman who was fired for trying to organize a union they are forced into a uh, non-paid overtime Mm mm-hmm and, uh, well, Sean, these are the 99 problems. I don't know why you're being
2: <laughs> an asshole about this, okay? These are the 99 problems. A bitch is not one, but these are the yeah. 99 problems.
1: Labor standards, <laughs> uh, investigative journalism. Right, right. Pregnant women trying to work <laughs> yeah. at your factories. Pregnant women, uh, people with sticky fingers ruining the $40 <laughs> T-shirts because they brought candy into the factory. Foxy Brown being yeah. who the age she is. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Foxy Brown was old enough to work at this facility. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, like, we we know, people have talked about the R. Kelly case. Like, R. Kelly marries Aaliyah, and she's 15 years old, and R. Kelly's 27, mm-hmm. and gets her pregnant. And there's a story where uh, when Aaliyah would go to sleep, and they were living with Aaliyah's mom, that R. Kelly would fuck Aaliyah's mom while he's pregnant with Aaliyah's... D- like... So you know you want to talk about creeps in the industry, fucking. This is all what it's all about. And you might think that Jay Z has got a, uh, a cute smile and and uh, the big old lips that are real seductive, like. But the reality is, is those beautiful lips have been
0: connected to some child pedophilia. Uh, one other thing for the fact... I don't have anything to add. <laughs> One other thing from the factory was uh, the workers reported that they were made to drink water containing fecal matter. Oh my god! Yeah, but the, they later found out it was just Jay Z branded cognac. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, that's just hazing. It gets people closer together. Right. It's right. a it's a it's a common team building mm-hmm, strategy. Mm-hmm.
0: Twenty. 20- yeah, sorry, I'm just quoting from laborrights.org. Uh, 20 workers who tried to form a union were immediately fired. Uh, 11 to 12-hour daily shifts.
1: Okay, but that's... that's. It, here's the thing, is that when you work in a sweatshop, you're a team. Right. And there's a certain level of uh, collegiate um, demeanor that's mm-hmm. expected from mm-hmm. the workers towards management. And forming right. a union is breaking uh, that collegiate atmosphere and, and really sets... Uh, a bad tone in terms of... It's uh, a party foul. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's what they said at my office when I tried to collectively organize my coworkers.
0: <laughs> they they just, said it's a party foul? <laughs> Andy's boss just made the triangle sign with her hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, and so basically at this facility, about 80% of the production was for uh, Sean P. Diddy Combs' Sean John clothing line. Mm-hmm. The other 20% was for RockAware. So you know.
2: Oh, so Sean John's linked into this uh, factory. Yeah,
0: but you know, I thought we could trust P Diddy. Just more evidence of Jay Z trying to become Biggie. Yeah, of course. Trying to go in on his sweatshop market with his former uh, producer. Right, right. Um, But so, and then you know, of course, this is back in 2003. So of course, Mm -hmm. Jay Z and Beyonce learn their lesson. Just become obese, Andy. Of course, Jay Z and Beyonce learned their lesson yeah well they never do again you know they were publicly hounded by these labor rights organizations directly right. challenged mm-hmm. you know they said they would do mm-hmm. better and all that and they learned their lesson and you will not if you were to google Beyonce's clothing line <laughs> Ivy Park clothing you would not read about women being locked inside the facility <laughs> and not allowed to leave yes, this Sri Lankan prison
1: queen
0: where they uh, where uh, workers are paid 54 cents an hour it's like Queen. To, to work sixty-hour work weeks, slave queen. No,
2: Andy, it's slave queen. It's <laughs> not,
1: there's a V there. Oh, that's why. Like when she dressed up as the uh, pharaoh for homecoming, she used she used Greek letters because <laughs> right, right, she's right. like, no, I'm I'm the one who owns the <laughs> slaves. <laughs> yes, precisely. <laughs> I'm the I'm the outside conqueror here. When she says "get in formation," she means "get back to
0: work." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what they shout when they're on a uh, minute two of their bathroom break. <laughs> Get back in formation.
2: Whenever the employees ask for lemonade, they just throw an album at their face.
0: <laughs> um. But so I, I guess just kind of continuing with the story of Jay-Z because like next he fucks over Damon Dash. Mm-hmm and uh so of course we mentioned rock again he sells this line for about 204 million to a french company i believe it was french in 2007
2: and with this capital he is what he do, makes the forty forty club he gets a whole bunch of connections we in the manhattan socialite elite club and continues his reign of new york empire state of mind
0: right so it's you know like he releases a few more albums not really anything notable until the black album in 2003 um and the black album significance is, i guess the blueprint comes out mere hours before 9-11 which uh you know chew on that one illuminati conspiracy <laughs> theorists i mean there are
2: plenty
1: of blue uh illuminati conspiracy theories with jay-z beyonce and i mean i mean so did they, they might be giants mink car so it, it you gotta share the responsibility <laughs> here i mean does the black elite trust Jay-Z and Beyonce are
2: are Jay-Z and Beyonce a part of the black elite of course Uh, whether it's Oprah or uh, Robert F. Smith are they at parties from time to time I wouldn't be shocked about it
0: Yeah, there's this weird rumor that says the album, The Blueprint, uh, Jay-Z released mere hours before 9-11 and then names every single person who is going to die (laughs) in 9-11 and also names the people who mysteriously did not show up to work that day.
1: It's interesting how the uh, cover of that album is uh, a blueprint of (laughs) the World Trade Center (laughs) with the uh, most load-bearing support beams highlighted.
0: Yeah, if you look at through the album notes, you'll see uh, plans for the uh, Tower 7 uh, with uh, diagrams labeling uh, where thermite was placed. Yeah, and he figured it out
2: by folding a $20 bill in two sp- <laughs> very specific ways that showed him exactly how to do it. Also, he typed in the uh, 9-11 air- airplane ticket number in
0: wingdings. <laughs> uh yeah he uh, he tried to hit on united 93 because he heard that was its birthday <laughs> <laughs> um but so essentially you know they released the blueprint and then 2003 releases the black album and supposedly retires right. and like around this time essentially in 2004 he becomes the president and ceo of def jam yep. and this is how he pushes out um damon dash and I guess you were saying something about Yogi you were saying something about the retirement being like a bullshit thing.
2: So essentially I mean, one of the reasons why he he does this move is because to when he joins the presidents he, when he becomes the president of Death Jam, he also retains uh, ownership of his masters that from the albums right. that Death Jam would produce. So mm-hmm. he cut out Dame Dash and Biggs from that those royalties so anytime you listen to a track from those albums Dame Dash and Biggs have been cut out of it and at this point I believe Jay-Z's been dating uh, Beyonce for a handful of years and mm-hmm. we're only going to cover her a little bit on this episode we'll probably do another episode on her later but her group Beyonce Deont- uh, <laughs> Um Beyonce's group Destiny's Child is managed by her father and she becomes the golden child in that group one in one case because all of the other members of Destiny Child are forced to tan so that Beyoncé looks the lightest um, in oh, other God. yeah in other ways that in a situation where the R&B soul group Jagged Edge was opening or uh, they were going on tour with Destiny's Child two of the Destiny's Child members were dating members of Jagged Edge and telling them about how they were there was favoritism towards Beyoncé and Kelly Rowland and so one of the mothers of the two Destiny's Child artists who were about to be kicked out was not being let on the tour bus because Beyonce's dad didn't want to deal with her. And Jagged Edge got mad about that. So Beyonce's dad kicked out uh, Jagged Edge off the tour and the two other uh, Destiny's Child members. And after this, they just hired two other people. And the first song they make in the studio for a video is uh, Say My Name. So they get kicked out right before... That uh, first big, big hit. But also, the media, because they're like, Destiny Child just got 50% different, picked up the song and be like, oh, this is the new Destiny Child. So it became a controversy that spun them up a bit more. Because of this, uh, the two other members that joined Destiny Child, plus the original two, would go on to. Um get uh, DUIs. Uh, one would go to jail for various reasons and uh, they have a very difficult and terrible life and deal with depression and anxiety and Kelly Rowland was uh, molested as a kid and so she dealt with anxiety throughout the entire time and was depressed while Destiny child was big and so Beyonce's dad really does make, uh, you know mastermind her solo career and with Jay-Z cutting out Damon Dash and Biggs does essentially the same thing to his past. He cuts out The ties that are holding him down to making as much money as possible, even though they got them there. And, um, I mean, Beyonce isn't the mastermind of this, but Jay-Z kind of takes a page out of her book and Destiny's Child to become who he is now.
0: Yeah, I mean, so it's basically like uh, we mentioned this deal, distribution deal they signed with Def Jam, and so it's something where Jay-Z agrees in 2004 to become the president and CEO of Def Jam in exchange for his master's, the rights to his music, which is, you know, worth millions now. Um, And so, because he takes this role, he takes Damon Dash out to dinner, is the story, and he says, you know, you and Bigsburg Uh, Bigsburg can run Rockefeller but he wants the masters and you know Dash originally says no but because Jay-Z becomes the CEO of Def Jam you know uh, Rockefeller is now a subsidiary of Def Jam uh, based on this previous deal so he essentially just says like well tough shit that's the way things are going to be now. Exactly. You know and so it's like uh, Damon Dash according to like some New York mag profiles were something like 50 million maybe 20 to 50 like but that's by his own admission but uh, so it's like he's not he made money, but it's also like, okay, so this guy built your business and you just cut out his life's purpose and stabbed him in the back like right. a fucking snake.
2: Well, I mean, whether it's Biggs, it's Damon Dash, or Jazzo, his right. original mentor. We
0: forgot to mention, like, right after Reasonable Doubt hits, he offers Jazzo a, a, a record deal that Jazzo turns down because it's such crap. <laughs> right. Like, just like the guy who got you into the industry and you give him some fucking lowball deal. And, like, according
2: to Jazzo, the, you know, Jay-Z looks at it like, you know, oh, you won't take my deal? Like, how dare you? And it's like, you're giving me a shit deal. Why would I take it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tough because I think that um, in, like, if Damon Dash wasn't so pushy, if if the Destiny's Child members were more subservient, you could argue that, like, oh, they would get the same success. But it's like, no, that would have never happened. Beyonce and Jay-Z from day one would orchestrate themselves being the winner in their in their stories regardless of the the other moves the other players did.
1: Well it's worth noting that uh Jay Z's from the streets. <laughs> he did get his degree on
2: the Streets of Hard Knock. This is true Andy. He is That f- is on his
1: Facebook profile. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the uh the streets of the Barclays Center. Right. <laughs> Atlantic Avenue. Yeah.
1: Now where did uh, ninety nine problems come out in relation to him screwing over everyone he knew who helped him coming up? Kind of right as he was
2: doing it. Okay. Because uh, 99 Problems is on the Black Album, and he goes to death. That's supposedly his retirement album. So the whole uh, Jay-Z's dead,
0: I'm now not Jay-Z. The, the 99 Problems, it refers to every single person investigating the 9-11 attacks who was murdered. <laughs> <laughs> and when did Hard Knock Life come out? Oh, yeah, that was his like big crossover hit. Yeah, that was I think 97, 98. Oh, okay. So this was this is
1: that was what launched him into the stratosphere.
0: Yeah. Right, cuz it's like before then he was like a rapper, but that was like the the song, yeah, 98 Hard Knock Life comes out. And that's what really makes him like mainstream pop music Jay-Z, you know.
1: Yeah, I like I like how he would say in interviews like, "Oh man, that Annie story really inspired me." <laughs> Where it's just it's a story about like, you know, a blonde girl who's adopted by a billionaire. Yeah. And it's like, that speaks to me.
2: Obviously, Jay-Z is inspired (laughs) by a story where a young girl is adopted by a billionaire and is forced to live in his (laughs) mansion and do his bidding. How can you not see that Jay-Z would love that?
0: I just realized Annie is the Jeffrey Epstein story.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Every movie is when you think about it.
0: But yeah, so it's like, essentially you know so he becomes president of jeff def jam 2004 he steps down in 2008 uh, oh yeah he of course he retires after the black album but then releases another album two out two years later yeah, right. which is like the normal amount of time between albums <laughs> yeah. he doesn't even retire for for more than that But it's all just a marketing scam I yeah mean, of like, course
2: you know you can nobody cares mm-hmm. no one no one you know the the idea of this is my last one is entirely to make people think if they don't get it that they'll lose out somehow so yeah. that's all Jay-Z's doing
0: yeah so 2009 he starts he teams up with Live Nation to start the Rock Nation uh, imprint which we'll kind of get back to in a second here uh, but I wanted to mention just a couple quick hits uh, in 2016 he signs an exclusive two year film and TV deal with The Weinstein Company oh, which wow. uh, great timing yeah <laughs> And uh, the other thing that we should just kind of mention here is uh, 2006, Jay-Z appeared with Russell Simmons as the founder of Def Jam. And they did a, a PSA together combating racism and anti-Semitism. Nice. Uh, the anti-Semitism part he would later completely undo <laughs> with his uh, hit uh, song, The Life of O.J., or The Story of O.J. But I just wanted to mention... Ma- you ever wonder why Jewish people
1: own all the property in America? That's how they did it.
0: He he just starts reading the protocols of the elders of Zion. (laughs) Yeah, JC's next verse on this song is in German for some reason. He's just screaming it at an auditorium full of people. There's also not really any context to the
1: line. (laughs) He tries to, you know, he does the the whole thing where. It's, it, he, he has the old um, kind of Sambo cartoon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thing to make it seem like it's a deep commentary on race in America. But then he's just, he throws in this uh, anti-Semitic line with really no reason to do it um i mean to... he's
2: just appealing to the all right andy let's be honest here <laughs> jay-z knows that america is his customer and he'll sell them whatever they want to get his way which we've learned time and time again because whatever jay-z makes an album there's at least 20 the fucking 70 references to things that he thinks the people that listen to him should buy he you know he, when he makes magna Carta, holy, holy grail he says tom ford and now people buying
0: tom ford wait so, does he
1: want people to buy jews
0: well, actually, if you go to the YouTube music video, the uh-huh. part where he says this is how they did it, you could—he is actually pointing at a link you can click to a QAnon YouTuber <laughs> <laughs> who will explain the Jeffrey Epstein connection. Uh, but yeah, so what I wanted to mention was Russell Simmons again, the founder of Def Jam, has uh, at least five named women who have accused him of rape. And again, you know, five people willing to come forward and put their name out and say he raped them. So you have to imagine this was a very systemic pattern and the guy's worth like 300 million. So, of course, he can defend himself very well against these things. And it's just something where, you know, we mentioned R. Kelly um, and then Russell Simmons. You have to imagine Jay-Z knew something.
2: Well, if you look up Jay-Z lawsuit among the several things he's been sued over, one of them is uh, someone that says he's his son. So there are uh, a, a handful of uh, Jay
1: Z's yo daddy stories. Well, we're not going to have any of that in the Paul McCartney episode.
0: <laughs> so. I'm just I'm just imagining Jay Z looking at some child who looks exactly like the uh, Camel cigarettes Camel, and <laughs> <laughs> like, no, this guy's not my son at all. <laughs> Um, but so oh, I wanted to mention one other thing before we go to Barclays Center. Uh, so according to Do- Dr. Boyce Watkins is a University of Syracuse finance professor. Uh, Jay-Z made $63 million in 2012. He gave $6,000 to charity. Oh. <laughs> Which like, again, I don't, I don't want to promote billionaire philanthropy as any sort of thing sure, that sure. undoes the fact that they're hoarding wealth that yeah. would m- much better be spent by public accountability. You know, democratic accountability as opposed to Private dictatorship foundations, but again, it's just something so blatant where it's Something maybe we'll close out with is just how much Jay-Z portrays his own success as like this means something for black America, right? The fact that I am a billionaire means something well, you know,
1: Sean He's from the streets <laughs> That's right, it?
0: yeah, and so I guess what I wanted to talk about with Barclays Center, and and, you know, we're recording downtown Brooklyn. We're very close to it. We see it, um, and it's really horrible what happened there. Because what we should mention another thing, you know, we uh, up top we said the Nets
2: season has never been good. That's what's going on down at Barclays Center, ladies and gentlemen. We're tired of it.
0: (laughs) We talked about it up top, where essentially like you think Jay Z, how did he make his money? Music, but you also think who owns the Nets? Jay Z.
1: Right? You oh.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Hasidic owners of Barclay Center. Yeah.
0: Jay-Z has never owned more than one point five percent of the Nets. Right. I think the last and then he sold a bunch of that stake. His stake in the Nets is worth I think last I checked, about three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It's worth less than a fucking one family house. That's how much of the goddamn nets he owns. <laughs> And again, his stake in Barclays Center... Well, yeah, but he's from the streets. (laughs) His stake in Barclays Center was always less than 1%. Mm -hmm. And so, essentially, what happened here is the Barclays Center and Atlantic Yards development was another one of these fucking New York State boondoggles where they gave, you know, 1.6 billion of public money to these developers, eminent-domained a bunch of properties and kicked people out on the streets, and, of course, you know, hugely sped up the gentrification of the neighborhood. And they did all that... By using Jay-Z as their front man, where they convinced people, and Jay-Z convinced people, that he owned the Barclays Center or had some major stake in it. He owned the Nets that were going to play in the Barclays Center, and the truth is, he didn't own shit. Jay-Z's actual profit on this was in the neighborhood of 6 or $7 million. That's how much he made for the Barclays Center, and that's when he's already a millionaire in exchange for fronting this campaign that horrifically displaces poor people in downtown Brooklyn that he fucking you know, cares so much about.
1: Well, I mean, here on Letterman, he's actually got a pretty fun uh, uh, back and forth with Dave about about the whole thing, so I think that's...
2: Uh, now I understand some Russian guy came in and bought the, J- the Nets. Tall guy, too. Yeah. Tall. And, and are you still the owner of the J- Nets? Yeah, yeah. Even more so. Well, who's the who's the Russian guy? Tall guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a Russian billionaire. I maintain there are no Russian billionaires. Is, is he really a billionaire? A couple times over. Really? Well, how, how did he make his money?
1: Mm. <laughs> you see, that's cute because it was probably be from theft and murder after the fall of the <laughs> Soviet <laughs> Union um
0: you skip the part where he goes hey dave have you thought about getting 16 year old interns <laughs> <laughs> and dave's like yeah i have <laughs> and not only have i thought about it i almost got it
2: done you know with the barclay deal he also in 2013 starts rock nation sports yeah. which is his uh, athletic management line it's yeah. a it's a partnership with creative artist agency caa and um I mean, it's just a, a management group for uh, football players, baseball players, basketball players, and uh, some boxing um, uh, boxers as well. One of the boxers sued Rock Nation Sports because they, he said that, like, I wasn't ready for a fight, but they forced me into it, essentially. So, like, you know, who knows? Well, what's the
0: worst that could happen?
2: <laughs> who knows what makes a person go, I want to fight?
0: He for- was ready. We gave him his two-minute bathroom break. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, who knows what makes a person be like? I can't. I am ready to fight another person or not. But um, if this guy says that, like, you know, I wasn't ready and they pushed me into it, I, I, I'm not too inclined not to believe him. He wanted his job to be being a boxer.
0: Yeah, and so just a couple other things on this Barclays Center. So Jay Z famously takes the subway in 2012. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's like videos, you can see like everybody staring and pointing because there's a fucking pedophile on the subway. (laughs) Um, But it's so essentially, you know, we mentioned this 1.6 billion in public money. Jay-Z was the front man. He makes six or seven million on this. The real people were billionaires, Bruce Ratner, and then the aforementioned Russian billionaire, a guy named uh, Mikhail uh, Prokovov. Um, so those are the two billionaires who really own, you know, the nets and have bigger stakes in Barclays. And one thing with Bruce Ratner, the MTA, the uh, New York state transportation agency that runs the subway, Mm -hmm. they sold Bruce Ratner an eight and a half acre train yard, which is what the Barclays Center was built on, built on. They sold him this property without opening it up to competitive bids. So they sold it to a massively below market. Right. And uh, then, you know, a bunch of tenants organizations were protesting, uh, rightfully so, against this, you know, huge public giveaway that was, again, just going to displace people. And they fought it as hard as they could. But eventually, you know, Barclays and the state agencies took them to court and they uh, got the right to eminent domain. So the state in 2014, they seized at least seven residential buildings, you know, full of people and said, hey, get the fuck out. You have 90 days. Have you heard of Trenton, New Jersey? It's nice there. (laughs) Jay Z used to sell crack. Maybe you can live there. There's property available. So, you know, they eminent domained at least seven properties to knock them down and, like, build these fucking luxury developments, which, hey, big surprise, they made promises for affordable housing. Good luck finding it. Yeah. You know, so it is just something where it is. Yeah, but I mean,
1: on on the flip
0: side, uh, you know, during hockey season,
1: you get to meet a bunch of Long Island hockey fans <laughs> on the train. And the that's pretty people. cool.
0: They, uh, they they, get to behave like R. Kelly did in that video <laughs> on the train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, you know, it's essentially like, again, at least seven uh, residential apartment buildings, just eminent domain and all the tenants thrown out. And again... Kind of what we've talked about here is Jay-Z, you know, selling crack when he's poor and has to survive. I mean, that's excusable. But in 2012, he's a multi-multi-millionaire. And he's destroying Brooklyn and throwing all these, like, poor, vulnerable people to the wind for just 6 or $7 million. Yeah.
1: I mean, yes, he's working with outright criminals who are destroying thousands of people's lives. But on the other hand, you know, he worked his way up from the streets. <laughs> In that
2: uh, documentary, we saw the Dr. Boyce Watkins says that uh, the negative impact Jay Z had on the black community is upwards of uh, multiple billions of dollars. So, regardless of how much money he personally has, has he taken out billions of dollars worth of
1: Hey Yogi? What's better than one billionaire? I don't know, Andy. What? I don't know. <laughs> I guess you are supposed to have, like two.
0: Uh, and so, you know, but of course, you know, this giant campaign where they put him on the face of the fucking billboards in Times Square. Right. So it was entirely like, you know, shady white developer, shady Russian oligarch. like yeah, he became the they, Jared Fogle right. of fucking Barclay Center. They wouldn't have been able to get this deal done, or at least there would have been a lot more public opposition if they didn't manage to convince people with Jay-Z willingly going along with it for a small little taste. Hey, this is me. I'm bringing Brooklyn back, yeah. you know. I'm fucking owning this terrible team that's going 0 for 82. (laughs) Um, But you know what? Of course, Jay-Z learned his lesson, which is why there was not a story this year about how he's investing in the fucking carceral state. (laughs) Wow. Uh, The blogger Sandra Rose broke the story that rock nation, um, uh, and a couple other um, investors put about $3 million in a uh, startup called Promise. And just quoting from Sandra Rose's blog here, Promise is a technology software design company that, he- that sells apps that help government agencies track people who are released from jail under the First Step Act. Um Promise that pr-
2: seems completely normal and nice, Sean. Yeah. I don't know why you're bringing this up.
0: Promise provides an incarceration alternative by using software that replaces home confinement and ankle monitoring with a smartphone app to track, quote, participants and remind them when they're supposed to appear in court or take a urine drug test. And uh, Jay-Z issued a statement saying, we are increasingly alarmed by the injustice in our criminal justice system. Money, times, and lives are wasted with the current policies. It's time for an innovation, an innovative and progressive technology that offers sustainable solutions to tough problems. <laughs> Promises team, led by co-founder and CEO, uh, Fedra Ellis is Private carceral state? <laughs> There's an app for that. Is building an app that can help provide, quote, liberty and justice for all to millions. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, that's uh, that's that's the kind of statement you put up when you invest three million in the fucking uh, Palantir app to uh, track people <laughs> who uh, got like a DUI or got caught with like three grams. Well, some of them were dealing crack cocaine, shot. Yeah, they need yeah. to be tracked at all times.
1: And that, I mean, that just destroys communities. So you really <laughs> need to make sure that anyone involved in that is. I mean, some of them were dealing near the Barclays Center. I mean, that place needs to be safe.
0: And they, they rolled it out in Trenton, New Jersey. Just for the added irony of Jay-Z's app monitoring his former coworkers. <laughs> look, if
1: you let people sell crack and get away with it, before you know it, they'll be working with Russian oligarchs to destroy neighborhoods.
0: Um, oh my God. And so essentially, like the whole thing is um, they, you know, take advantage of the fact that people are caught up in this carceral system to make money on it. And, you know, you look at it just so happens if you were to go to the Promise website and look at our team, mm-hmm. uh, you might notice the skin tone of the people who are actually making money off the back of this giant carceral state. Oh, what Puerto Ricans? Yeah, mostly Puerto Ricans. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I think Jay-Z identified them on a song he released. Hey, you guys want to hear some funny Illuminati dirt? Yeah. yeah
2: what's up? Uh, even Beyonce and Jay-Z's child's name is a reference to the Illuminati. Blue Ivy, B-L-U-E-I-V-Y, stands for Born, Living, Under, Evil, Illuminati's Very Youngest. (laughs) Is that on Snopes? No, this is on romper.com. The real Snopes.
0: (laughs) Look, Jay-Z's not in the Illuminati. He's a puppet of the Illuminati, and they forced him to name his child that. That's right. Yeah. Nobody would name the child Blue Ivy willingly. (laughs) Her middle name is United 93.
1: <laughs> what if it was uh, Becky with the good butterfly clips in her hair?
0: <laughs> um, but I guess like the kind of running theme that we've got at here and we've mentioned is, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce promote their own sec- mm-hmm. success as uplifting the community. You know, uh, uplifting black America in particular. Right. And it's like, again, you can look at their charitable givings. You can look at their sweatshops. You can look at the fucking Barclays Center deal. You can look at Jay-Z's uh, private fucking prison tracking app. Right, right. You know, it, like we set up this multi... I mean, you call
1: it a private prison tracking app. I yeah. call it black excellence. <laughs>
2: I mean, you talk about it not helping the black community. It does help the black community. Only a very small portion of it named Sean Carter (laughs) and Beyonce Knowles.
0: Uh, And Blue Ivy.
2: (laughs) And their two twins. Yeah. Oh, mind you, uh, by the way... uh, Jay-Z uh, does not eat butt, but mm. now he definitely
0: eats butt. <laughs> I do want to mention, so Forbes actually went through how they valued Jay-Z at $1 billion, mm-hmm. and he's got like a $70 million art collection, which I think he mainly just invested in so that he could write every line on Magna Carta, Holy Grail. <laughs> which just like, look at the paintings I own and think of a word that rhymes with Basquiat. <laughs> just you see that artist's name on the painting? Just think, take out the rhyming dictionary <laughs> And flip to that word.
2: <laughs> what
0: rhymes with Picasso? <laughs> um, but so, and essentially like the the song Family Feud off his most recent album, 444, which is, of course, uh, it stands for uh, that, the sundial on Jeffrey Epstein's island when it's pointed at 444. <laughs> that yes. means it's time for the child sacrifice. Right, of course, of course. <laughs> you know, we all know this. Um, but so th- there's this line off it where Jay-Z says, I think it's the hook actually, um Uh, what's better than one billionaire Two, especially if they're from the same hue as you? So, of course, you know, what's a good thing for black America? I think he got that from Dr.
1: Seuss. He
2: just wants white people to tan, Sean.
1: He's just tired of all this bad skin in his life. I love that he says, especially when they're the same hue as you, after what you said, Yogi, about (laughs) Beyonce, like her father forcing the other members of Destiny's Child to get (laughs) tan.
0: And then from the same song, another line, pretty much, if anybody should be getting handsome checks, it should be us. And it's all this just conflation where, you know, like, why is Jay-Z so promoted by Forbes magazine and other, you know, hyper-capitalist propaganda outlets? you know, if anybody should be getting handsome checks, it's us. Well, it's not us. It's Jay-Z, Jay-Z's immediate family, and those few people that he actually took with him and didn't fuck over on the way up. Right. You know, like another guy who took a bid for, like, who claims to Vlad TV that he took a bid for Jay-Z and like, a, an assault case. Oh, really? And Jay-Z just, like, didn't help him out when sure. he got out of prison. Well, why should he? Yeah. I know.
2: mean, like, you know, the billionaire mindset is to, you know, crush and destroy until you get what you want. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it's very easy to look at uh, Jay Z's rise to success and be like, "Man, the the thing that helped him become a successful drug dealer applies to his his businessman role now." And it's like well, that's not a good thing. We shouldn't celebrate that. We shouldn't look at somebody that is a criminal formerly and goes to have wildly uh, uh, wild success in another field as if doing it illegally somehow is a good thing for society.
0: Right. And, you know, it's something where, like, Henry Belafonte, Harry Belafonte uh, criticized Jay-Z and Mm Jay-Z said, like, my mere presence is charity or something like that. He said he regretted the statement later, but he compared himself to Obama and said, like, you wouldn't demand that we do anything, (laughs) essentially. And it's like that's that's the whole ideology where it's like clearly Jay Z believes it at this point, just the fact of his own individual success. But the real problem well, it's a is a big load off your conscience, right? Oh yeah, it's a great way to fucking do the mental gymnastics of justifying like why I have so much. I'm one of the two thousand so richest people on the planet Earth. While well, there's starvation and poverty and uh, malnutrition, some
2: of it I'm causing.
0: Yeah. You know, and, you know, fucking uh, parolees with my tracking app checking in. And it is just something where... Jay Z's success, or the success of really any billionaire, it's a fucking lottery ticket. Jay Z was a talented rapper. Uh, you know, I actually think Magna Carta Holy Grail is underrated, even though it's like kind of a materialistic album. Sure. I think it's a, I think it's, it's it's interesting. It's, but the point is, you know, it's a fucking lottery ticket. That's not a sustainable plan for anybody, and yet it's promoted like if you just have the talent and the hard work and the drive of Jay Z, you too can make something of yourself. And You know, It's just if you have the fucking wake up at 6 a.m. and scratch off lottery tickets every morning, you can make it too. It's the same fucking message, and it's not a solution. And it's just dangerous and irresponsible that he or Beyonce or anybody with wealth uses their platform to promote this absolute bullshit.
1: Well, it's also they like to and they like to point out that like, oh, man, the system is rigged against us and we still rose above it. But then they kind of use that to say, like, I guess we don't really need to change the system. Mm, if right. You just have to do what we did.
0: Mm-hmm. I was just thinking in 10 years, Blue Ivy will be old enough for some crack dealer in Trenton, New Jersey to start dating. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, here's the thing. Everyone doesn't realize 444 mm-hmm. is exactly uh, 14 numbers higher than 420. 4 minus 20 is is sixteen and in between fourteen and sixteen is the age record that Jay-Z prefers when he's looking at women to cheat on his wife with.
0: But it is something where, you know, Jay-Z is a fucking snake. Yeah. <laughs> Jay-Z is a fucking snake. I actually remember when I worked at Whole Foods, I worked at Whole Foods in Tribeca, mm-hmm. and two of my coworkers were talking about like, yeah, people who knew like they knew somebody who knew Jay-Z when he was like before sure. he made it, mm-hmm. and they said Yeah, he's a snake. But, you know, maybe you got to be to succeed in business. (laughs) Right. And it's like, yeah, that's it. He just, you know, like to get to where he is, you have to do shitty snake like things. And yet he still promotes himself as a role model. And that's clearly the exact opposite of what we want to be doing. And I just like, like even when it's convenient, apparently Benny Siegel is a rapper. According to Hip Hop Wired, uh, the judge, asked, uh, when Benny Siegel had a court case, mm-hmm. or he was in prison, excuse me, the judge asked Jay-Z to vouch for him, and uh, Jay-Z was not interested in doing yeah. that and could have got him an earlier release <laughs> from prison. Well,
2: Jay-Z doesn't want competition. Jay-Z doesn't want to help anyone out. Mm-hmm. He is the number one. He is the alpha, the omega. Because if Jay-Z ain't rising, everyone's
0: gonna fucking die. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, just keep, keep listening to uh, Jay-Z's lyrics if you want to know when the next false flag attack <laughs> will be coming. <laughs> if, uh, if, if you've got an apartment near, like, West 3rd Street and you hear Jay-Z shout that out in the new single, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> move immediately.
2: <laughs> and with that, this has been Grub Stickers. I'm Yogi Powell. I'm Annie Palmer.
0: Uh, I'm Sean P. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.